You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here's today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. It's time for the kids to go to kids' church. So the kids are heading off to kids' church, where we are going to talk about prayer. Praying is easy, yet praying is hard. Sometimes it's easier to just do things the way that we think is best instead of praying about it. Have you ever done that before? Don't worry about this, God. I got this. You don't need to step in and help me because I can do this myself. And then you end up creating a mess or you end up in the wrong place or you end up doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing or wondering if you had it to do over again, if God would have had a better way. So we need to pray. Prayer is huge. And the Bible talks a lot about prayer. And we're going to keep talking about prayer, actually, to Thanksgiving now. So on Thanksgiving, uh, the week before Thanksgiving will be the rewards of prayerfully living a thankful life. So the rewards of prayerfully living a thankful life. And then uh, that week after Thanksgiving, living in his kingdom, power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Which is actually a strange part of the Lord's Prayer because it appears in the King James Version, but it doesn't appear in newer versions. So if you come that Sunday, I'll tell you why and why it's still a good thing to recite or say. So praying, how to pray effectively. So in the Lord's Prayer, we see that we have an opportunity to ask for God's will and an opportunity to ask that um, God's name be hallowed, which isn't a word that we use a whole lot. I mean, Uh, Halloween, hallowed eve, it's kind of weird, but it is a word that's basically focusing on God's reverence, that God's name would be revered. So in this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Next week, we'll talk about give us this day our daily bread, but we are to pray and we are to make uh, our request known to God. So, number one, we need to see the Father reaching down from heaven. So this is where God dwells, obviously. God, with Jesus and the angels, come from heaven to us. But God is omnipresent, which means that he isn't bound. He doesn't say, well, I'm in heaven right now, but I should be back in Belle Plaine like sometime December 4th, and maybe I can address your needs at that time. He is able to span that space immediately he can see, he can know, but he, where is God? He dwells in heaven. So there is heaven. The Bible talks about the first, second, and third heaven. You've got, you know, the skies above us and then outer space, and then you've got where God dwells. And it's just so weird to think that, you know, God cares about us, but you have God, you have Jesus, you have angels, you have this whole other realm and dimension of stuff going on that we can't even see. So we have evil angels, demons, Satan, uh, And we've got God's angels, and they are about and around, and they're probably even here among us. And to to think that there's this other dimension going on, um, there, I think Youth for Christ put out a movie years ago, and uh, this kid found these old glasses, and when he put them on, he could see the spiritual realm or the other dimension around, and it was freaky for him. But just to think about that, and to think about how the God of the universe cares about you and me, how the God of the universe wants us to pray and commune and talk. So in this manner, Jesus said, he was, Jesus was teaching them how to pray. So he didn't say, all you got to do is pray these words. Instead, it is a model prayer. And it's not even the Lord's prayer. It's not even Jesus' prayer. I mean, it's 
uh, like in Gethsemane, Jesus had a more specific prayer, but he was teaching the disciples how to pray. They asked how to pray, so this is what Jesus said. You know what's real interesting about the Lord's Prayer, though, is that there's not a line in there that says anything about being thankful. That's an important part of praying, too, and the Bible talks a lot about that. That's just not in there. It's a model prayer. It's not the only thing you pray, but it is a springboard to pray. This uh, book, Window on Eternity, it says, uh, After this manner, to say God our Father is wondering gratitude, it's ardent venturing awe, is humble penitence, it's reverential praise, it's endless fellowship, is all committing love, to say our Father truly is to pray. Don't say your Father, but our Father, which means that you pray, but we pray together. Everybody that's received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior are children of God, part of the family that makes you and I brothers and sisters in Christ, which means that we should pray for each other, and sometimes we should share our burdens with one another so that we can pray for each other. Pray our Father in heaven. So our Father says, God wants to have a relationship with you. God cares about you. And if you had a bad earthly father, you can't tie that into the perfect heavenly father. That was just disappointment, sinful nature, difficulty of your father, stepfather, or whatever that didn't work. And you shouldn't say, well, you know, because some fathers don't really work out, that we should be more inclusive and say our father and mother, or say our mother. Because if we believe what Scripture says, then we should take Scripture in the way it was given, and it doesn't say our mother in heaven. So we shouldn't bow to people that say, oh, we should be more inclusive. We shouldn't say our father because it might turn people off. Instead, we should take what the Bible says and use that. And we are told to pray to our father who cares about us and loves us. But then it also says our Father in heaven, which puts it on a different realm. So now you have our Father who cares about us and loves us and everything, but He is in heaven. He is all-powerful. He spoke the world into existence. He is where we are going. He has made it possible for us to be saved through Jesus Christ and guaranteed heaven, our future dwelling place. We're citizens of heaven now. So in all authority and all power, He is coming to us, paying attention to us from heaven, down where we are humble on earth. And it matters. And we should think about that. We should think about how God cares about us so much, how when we pray to our Father in heaven that he hears and that he knows and that he wants to hear what struggles you have, what troubles you have, what problems you have. Because a lot of the times when you pray things through, even if it is bad, God gives you the courage and the strength and the help and the endurance to get through it. He doesn't promise us all a perfect life. I mean, some of us have health problems or relationship problems or job problems or money problems or who knows, psychological problems maybe, I don't know. So uh, I try not to look at anybody when I say that because the people will be like, why are you looking at me? (laughs) So anyway... We pray, and God cares. And I read this from Martin Luther, which was from um, 1535. So that was a long time ago. And he's talking about prayer, talking about keeping the heart ready. He said, mark this, that you must always speak the amen firmly. Never doubt that God in his mercy will surely hear you and say yes to your prayers. Never think that you are kneeling or standing alone. Rather think that the whole of Christendom, all devout Christians, are standing there beside you, and you are standing among them in a common united petition, which God cannot disdain. 
Do not leave your prayer without having said or thought, Very well, God has heard my prayer. This I know is a certainty and a truth. This is what amen means. You should also know that I do not want you to recite all these words in your prayer. That would make it nothing but idle chatter and prattle. Rather do I want your heart to be stirred and guided concerning the thoughts which ought to be comprehended in the Lord's Prayer. I do not bind myself to such words or syllables, but say my prayers in one fashion today, in another tomorrow, depending upon my mood and feeling. I stay, however, as nearly as I can with the same general thoughts and ideas. It may happen occasionally that I may get lost among so many ideas in one petition that I forgo the other six. If such an abundance of good thoughts comes to us, we ought to disregard the other petitions, make room for such thoughts, listen in silence, and under no circumstances obstruct them. The Holy Spirit himself preaches here, and one word of his sermon is far better than a thousand of our prayers. Many times I have learned more from one prayer than I might have learned from much reading and speculation. It is of great importance that the heart be made ready and eager for prayer. What else is it but tempting God when your mouth babbles and the mind wanders to other thoughts? A good and attentive barber keeps his thoughts, attention, and eyes on the razor and hair and does not forget how far he has gotten with his shaving or cutting. If he wants to engage in too much conversation or let his mind wander or look somewhere else, he is likely to cut his customer's mouth, nose, or even his throat. How much more does prayer call for concentration and singleness of heart? This, in short, is the way I use the Lord's Prayer when I pray it. To this day I suckle at the Lord's Prayer like a child, and as an old man eat and drink from it and never get my fill, it is the very best prayer, even better than the Psalter, which is so very dear to me. It is surely evident that a real master composed and taught it. Martin Luther from 1535. So people have used the Lord's Prayer as a model to pray. People have used the Lord's Prayer as a motivation to pray. And we are told to pray to our Father, our Father who reaches down from heaven, our Father who reaches out to you. I don't think that any of you came up with the idea to pursue God, but God pursued you. God came to you. The Holy Spirit came to you and has given you this opportunity to know him, to worship him, to have a Bible, to be able to be saved, and then to grow in that relationship, and then to bring others with you, to share Christ, to teach others, to disciple them, to help them become fully devoted followers of Christ, to live in such a way that your life is an act of worship, that you honor God. I mean, some people just show up for church and they do the church thing and then they think they've got it done and then they go off and do whatever they want for the rest of the week. There are some people that sow their wild oats like on Friday and then they come to church and pray for a crop failure on Sunday. And we need to be people that are known as Christ followers and people that are constantly following after the Lord, glorifying the Lord. God is holy. He is a heavenly Father that reaches out to you in love. Yet he is holy and powerful and coming to you from heaven, the place where God dwells. And the Bible doesn't talk a lot about heaven. It's hard to give you an exact guide of everything that's going to happen in heaven. I mean, some people write books like Randy Alcorn about heaven. Uh, David Jeremiah has one. And some of it's speculation. Some of it's taking Bible verses. But whatever it is, it's going to be awesome and it's going to be eternal. And I guarantee you're not going to be bored, this idea that you're going to, like, Go sit on a cloud, and you're going to have a harp, and you're going to have wings. No, you don't become angels. The Bible doesn't say that. So when somebody dies, don't say, oh, they're my angel in heaven now. No, 
They're probably surrounded by angels, yet we have this great opportunity to live worthy lives today. And the way that you live your life, the way the choices that you make and the things that you pray for totally show how much you love God and how much you value God and how deep your faith is. It is so easy to talk about praying, but it's much harder to actually come and pray for all of the things that you could pray for. I mean, so many times we like have a list and we say, well, if I could just pray for this, if I could just pray for that, that'd be good. Sometimes our prayer life is confused. We think it's like we're bringing something to Santa Claus and it's like, all right, God, here's all the things that I need. I'll show you a video about that in a minute. It's kind of funny, but it really does show the different attitudes in prayer. And I would hope that you would pray and that you would pray to your heavenly father and you would realize that you are sending a prayer that is connecting to heaven immediately and that God and his angels, Jesus, see your prayer, know your prayer, care about you and can answer. So they may say yes, they may say no, they may say wait, they see your heart, your heart desire. So that's number two. Uh, We need to seek that the Father's name be hallowed, that his name be holy, that his name be revered. So we should be people that cause people around us to revere God's holy name. We should not use God's name in vain. We should honor God in a way that people see that we value him, that we honor him. So hallowed is an out-of-date English word that the most Bible translations still uses that means to make holy or to make separate. And we need to help God we don't, we don't need to help God. We need to make God's name holy. Exodus 27 in the Ten Commandments said, You should not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So we should do all that we can to make sure that we use his name wisely, that we use his name reverently, and that we use his name in a way that draws people to him. Uh, sometimes people babble in prayer and they're like, Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. But just Pray and be real in your prayers and honor God's holy name, hallow his name, treat it holy. And I think it's really a great compliment when people around you, like before I became a pastor, people around you would like use God's name in vain and then they would turn to me and they would apologize. I never said anything. Usually I don't say anything. They would realize that I was following Christ and that I might be offended by them using God's name in vain. So let's watch this video about prayer. My prayer life is vibrant and it's active daily. I like to commune with God at nighttime. I get under those warm covers and I kiss my wife goodnight. And I just start talking to God. Just me and God. Tell him everything. (sighs) Makes me just sleepy just thinking about it. And there I am just laying in bed, laying out my request to him. And he's hearing me. And I know that I'm in good company with him. Where was I? The efficiency of one's prayers are directly congruent to the position of one's body. Therefore, the legs should be saying, God, help me. Amen. There are times that me and God do not talk, and that is not God's fault, that is mine. I just get so busy. And so when I do end up talking to God, I really just try to impress him, give him a show, just to show him how much I love him. So excuse me, will you, as I pray to God. 
Oh, Heavenly Father, oh, Heavenly Father, beseech me not unto thee. How now, brown cow? Oh, thy soul is so dry, and if I can just catch a morsel of who you are, so verily, merrily, down the stream. God, I, I just want to be used by you. God, I want... I want to be salt and light and light and salt and sight and loved and peppers and oregano and pepperoni and black olives and those little bit. When I like to get my prayer on, uh, there's some things I keep in mind. Um, I think it's totally awesome that uh, God is like Santa Claus and he wants to give you the things that you want. Therefore, you need to keep lists of things. My list currently has 745 prayer requests on them. So then when I go to the Lord in prayer, it looks a little something like this. I'll just pray real quick. Um, Let's see. The uno thing on my list is my mom. And so I'll pray for her now. Dear Heavenly Father, I lift up this sweet salt of the earth lady that you have blessed me with to be my mother. And I tell you, thank you. And although I know that I'm called to respect her, and I give her all due respect. There's also an issue of something she truly needs, and that is to stop a yapping. Lord, she yaps, and she doesn't know how to stop yapping. So could you please make her mute just for a day? Nothing permanent. Don't hurt her. I love her. Just mute her. Take your big God remote and push mute on her channel. That would be great. Henceforth, I would go on and pray all 746 things. God, you are greater than anything this world has to offer. And I can't wait for you to come back and get us. But until that time comes, would you help me just to, just to live my life day after day as if I'm just walking hand in hand with you? God, I, I have a lot of needs. And I have a lot of wants. And sometimes I get those things confused. Help me to just trust you to meet my needs. And be thankful when you give me those other things that I just want. God, I have blown it so many times today. And I'm sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. I don't take it for granted. And God, as I start this day out, I'm just reminded that this world is filled with so many spiritual potholes. Please help me to walk in such a way where I won't stumble so much. And as I'm going through this day, God, help me to live my life in such a way that would bring you glory and honor. May the life that I live be a life of worship to you. Amen. All right, so it's kind of silly, maybe kind of frivolous, but I think that that happens to a lot of people, uh, that they fall asleep during prayer time, that they wander on. They pray the same things over and over again. They pray the list of the things that they want and the things that they think they need, and they never get beyond praying for themselves to pray for others. I mean, I went to this one family's house one time, and they really had it together. They had this board on the wall, and they had like days of the week, and they had people and missionaries and people that, and things that they would pray for on different days of the week. That was pretty awesome. Might be a good idea. I knew another pastor that was in a larger church had all the church people's names divided by days of the week. So every Thursday, 
you were on his list or whatever. Uh, if you were a T, every Thursday you'd get prayed for by your pastor, and he'd be like, what can I pray for you about? This pastor doesn't have you divided up. I just pray for you as I think of you, and when you do those prayer requests, I pray about that. And as I'm out and about thinking about you, your families, I pray for you. So then there's God's kingdom. Soon the Father's kingdom will be present, and we pray for that. We look forward to that, that someday Jesus will return, make things right. We'll spend, we'll spend eternity in God's presence. So many things about the kingdom can be brought in us now. We can live Christ out among us now. We can bring part of God's kingdom, part of heaven, to earth in the way that we live, in the things that we say, and the things that we prioritize, and we can bring other people with us to the Heavenly Father, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And then, number four, pray that God's will would be accomplished. Seek the Father's will to be accomplished. Nothing could be worse than you getting something great if it wasn't God's will, something that could destroy you. Here's how winning the lottery makes you miserable. Did you run out to try to get that Powerball ticket, try to get, I'm not sure what it was, million, billion dollars, whatever. If you win the Powerball jackpot, you may not be as lucky as you may think. Many winners befall the so-called curse of the lottery with some squandering of their fortunes and others meeting tragic ends. Quote, so many of them wind up unhappy or wind up broke. People have had terrible things happen, says Don McNay, 56, a financial consultant to lottery winners and the author of Life Lessons from the Lottery. Quote, people commit suicide. People run through their money. Easy come, easy go. They go through divorce or people die. Just upheaval that they're not ready for, McNay told Time on Tuesday. It's the curse of the lottery because it made their lives worse instead of improving them. About 70% of people who suddenly receive a windfall of cash will lose it within a few years, according to the National Endowment for Financial Education. Maybe winning the lottery would be great. Some churches are totally against the lottery, and they would not take a tithe or offering based on lottery earnings because they would say that that is not a godly thing to do. But I want you to know that if you win the lottery and you want to bring the money here for us to build a building or whatever else, we welcome it. Maybe you want to bring it all. I don't know. So I personally don't play the lottery, but if I did, I would see it as a donation to the tax system or to the DNR or to whatever else. I wouldn't exactly think that I was going to win. But to pray for God's will. There's so many things in your life that totally revolve around God's perfect will for your life. Your job, the relationships that you have, the things that you do. Do you want your will or do you want God's will? Because I look back, I see the things that I really wanted that could, if I would have gotten them, would have set me off in a totally different direction than where I am now. So I need to look back and thank God for me being in his will and him answering my prayer and him doing things in my life that totally took me by surprise. And sometimes I was totally disappointed with God. I'm like, Lord, I prayed and prayed and prayed for this and I didn't get it. What's wrong here? And then I look back and realize, oh, you had a better plan. You didn't want me to have that. That would have been bad. That, this is better for me. You, you're at work. I can see how you're at work in my life. And there's so many things that you should ask for God's will to be done in your life, at your school, it, at your work, all around you, in, in your family's life, in your grandkids' life, to pray for God's will to be done. I always pray for the kids to, be, to have at least one Christian friend in their school. Uh, I pray for Probably should pray for the workers, too, to have one Christian friend at work. Somebody to encourage them and draw them closer to Christ. Somebody that helps them. But we can talk about prayer all day, but we really should make more of a commitment to pray. 
Don't wait for a crisis moment in your life. Don't wait until things are falling apart and you have nothing that you can do except cry out to God for help. There was a guy that was trapped inside of an ATM, those big ATMs, and he's crying out for help. A visitor to a Bank of America in Corpus Christi experienced a rather rough afternoon recently. He was a contractor there to install a lock on the bank service room ATM. While he was inside the ATM, the door closed behind him and then went open, and he'd left his phone in the truck. According to NPR's The Two-Way, quote, he had no one to call and no one to make his voice heard intelligibly through the machine. What did he have? Pen and paper. So people are coming by and using the ATM machine because it's still operational, a local police officer explained, and he's slipping notes through the ATM through where you'd get your receipt. One of the notes read, Please help. I'm stuck in here and I don't have my phone. Please call my boss. Many customers believed it was a prank until a good Samaritan took the situation seriously and contacted the cops, who initially also believed it was a prank. Eventually, however, the man was freed. As one officer put it, it was just crazy. Sometimes when you go through life and you're just trapped and you start crying out for help, you realize that you can't get out of the situation on your own, that there's no way to get out. And you pray and ask God, and then God often uh, will let you sit there for a bit and realize how bad your situation is before he answers your prayer. And then he answers your prayer and helps you and guides you, directs you, provides for you. And we go through life, and sometimes we pray and pray for things, and sometimes things don't work out as we hope, and there's tragedy and difficulty, and it hurts, and we don't understand why. So someday when we get to heaven, we can ask the Lord why we went through that or how that, how that worked. But we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose, it says in Romans 8.28. So we should trust in that too. But I would guess that none of us pray as much as we could. And I would guess that none of us are, are experiencing our full prayer potential if we would truly pray, if we would take the Lord's Prayer as a model. What if from now until Thanksgiving, we woke up in the morning and we went through the Lord's Prayer as a model and we started praying some of those things as a springboard? You know, Lord, I want your name to be hallowed. I want your name to be seen as holy. Help me to do that. Help me to revere you and to help other people to see how holy you are. Lord, I want to do your will. Help me to do your will. Help me to not do the things that are not according to your will. I can't wait for your kingdom to be fully realized. And I I hope on that day that you will be proud of the things that I've done to help bring in your kingdom and help bring people to a relationship with you. To pray those things every day. To pray for others, our Father in heaven, which means that you have brothers and sisters in Christ and lost people all around you that we can be praying for, talking to God about, requesting on behalf of others. You know, intercessory prayer is a huge ministry. If you find yourself even paralyzed and you can't do anything, you think you're no good, you could still be a prayer intercessor and pray for other people. Pray for all the different things, and God can do great things through prayer. One of the greatest things about prayer is the faith that you have to pray, that you're not wasting your time, that God is hearing, that God does care, but you really need to be more structured about it. So like the guy in the video, you don't fall asleep or find it boring or think that you're just going through a repetitive list because it's not that at all. And the Holy Spirit will actually... Uh, help you to know what to pray for. And sometimes when you don't know what to pray for, he like steps in and prays for you. Uh, We'll bring things to mind. Sometimes part of praying is just being quiet and waiting on God and listening. And sometimes he gives you uh, a motivation, an idea, a thought, speaks to your heart and guides and directs you. So we'll talk about how to get things from God next week. But Lord, I thank you so much for 
your word and for prayer and for this place that we can meet and for these people who came today. And I ask that you would encourage us all to pray more, to pray for each other more, to pray for lost people to get saved, to pray for upcoming events, to pray for needs to be met, to pray for safety, to pray for people that might be seeking you in the midst of all the tragedies in our nation, the shootings, the devastation from hurricanes, the difficulties, uh, all of these things, Lord, as people are crying out to you, I pray that you would send other Christians to help meet their needs and encourage them in their faith, and that you would provide all that we need and all that they need to accomplish your purposes. And we look forward to your kingdom. Lord, help us to be in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. It would be great if you would let us know how you were encouraged by this message. We invite you to visit River Rock Church, 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find more messages to listen to, and get resources to help you grow in your faith at riverrockchurch.com.